and welcome to the show. This week, I was a guest on the channel of Funkalopagus. He's a listener who makes silly videos for a good laugh and to have conversations with interesting people. We talked the origin of first principles, the nature of truth, how to handle and use comedy in dark times, and much more if you like what you hear. And I hope that you will check out the Funkalopagus channel linked in the description. Thanks for listening and enjoy. For those that uh, don't know you yet, uh, how, how do you describe what you do? Uh, well, I, I used to go by the title of YouTuber, um, but now YouTube doesn't seem to want much to do with people like me. Uh, so I guess I, I find the title content creator kind of cringe, though. So, uh, talker on the internet, I don't know what title you would give it, but I, I make video content in a short form, uh, twice weekly and in a long form on a Sunday night stream, we do a call in show on Wednesday night as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what's true and what's sane in the world by talking with people on the internet. That's the general idea. That's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I, typically just do uh, cringe gaming stuff. And every now and again, I interview somebody that went through something pretty extreme or really out of the ordinary. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I just took a shot at asking you some questions and it worked. So yeah, why not? Thanks for hosting me. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So a lot of, a lot of what drew me to your channel years and years ago, like pre evergreen stuff was that you, you don't just cover topics I'm interested in. You cover them in such a way that you get at the core of the issue. And mm. I find that you tie it a lot back to principle of the matter and what people should really be focusing on instead of getting lost in the weeds and all this and this. And so I, I kind of want to ask you, where do you think that people's principles come from? How do they form? Uh, where do they get those? Well, thanks for the uh, compliment. I appreciate that. But I think that, uh, yeah, obviously principles are important. Where does Where does that come from? Anything that's fundamentally true is something that I think we observe in the natural world. That's that's kind of the the basis for our entire social structure, our entire government structure is what natural laws about the world can we observe by observing the world in its natural state? What is it that people are doing yeah. in their natural state before government ever exists, before any of the rules or um, interference that we impose on each other ever exists? fundamentally people are trying to survive and prosper and i think it whatever that natural drive that's in people wherever that comes from the the moral obligation for all of us is to recognize that and to live according to that so where do those principles come from well they come from a fundamental recognition that human life has value and purpose and that it would be wrong for us to interfere with somebody else in pursuit of that of that purpose that's like the base level stuff and I think every everybody everything beyond that is sort of uh, built off that fundamental premise. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I uh, I kind of came at this sort of how Jordan Peterson a lot he will talk about heroes, and mm. a lot of times uh, young men will kind of put their father in that slot, and a lot of say like biblical stories come from their need to be a hero and kind of living up to that, mm -hmm. um, becoming that a little bit, and so I kind of. I also kind of look at it as that's why a lot of media is does have a, an important slot is because sometimes people don't have that and they kind of 
sometimes wrongly idolize idolize something that they see in media or you know anything like that and they kind of draw on the good characteristics that they see from even say like like superman or their father having the discipline to chop wood yeah at 7 a.m that kind of thing and so i can kind of see a little bit of that as well um and unfortunately not enough people observe the realistic side of what happens in their day-to-day life or interactions with other people to really bring out those principles to really to really develop those or really well, give them yeah. much thought fundamental idea the unexamined life is not worth living you need yeah. to understand why it is that you do the things that you do every single day and if you can't explain them mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing them or you should consider an alternative approach and that doesn't mean like yeah you know we all sit down and we play some video games or we we waste time yeah. here or there we do things that deviate from the strictest interpretation of our purpose but Every single day should include some steps toward fulfilling or becoming the best version of yourself that you possibly can, fulfilling that purpose for you. And um, when we think about what is a good man, what is a hero, it's somebody who is actively doing that for himself and and in the context of a father for his family. And, and after that, probably in a broader sense for community or society as a whole, but that's the other aspect of all this. I think that has to, that has to stay in focus. It's, it's the order of who you take care of first, you know? And I think yeah. we have this sense that heroes take care of everybody and they're selfless. Well, you got to, yep. I mean, maybe they are, but you got to put yourself in position to be able to do that. And you referenced Jordan Peterson. I mean, that's kind of a fundamental concept there. Clean your room, make your bed, but, but really take yeah. care of yourself. It's not a selfish thing. It's a recognition that I can't take care of other people effectively if I haven't taken care of my own house first. And mm-hmm. um, and that's a fundamental concept I think we need to get back to instead of assuming responsibility for everybody else out there and trying to control them. Control yourself first. Put yourself on the right path first. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I would, I'd even say that things like uh, taking some time to game or, you know, having a few extra beers. Yeah. If done in a controlled and balanced way can serve a, a purpose in a, in and of itself to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on yeah. being too over the top. Uh, you know, Jocko Willink, for example, uh, the guy posts a picture of his watch every morning at 4.30 when he's getting up to pump iron and doing insane mm. stuff. And uh, every now and again, I'll see a post that he puts out of, you know, utterly destroyed this thing. And it, it would be like a picture of a donut with like this huge chunk taken out of it. It's got like <laughs> icing drizzle all over it. And so... Yeah. Taking that time to to be good to yourself as well, I think, is also really important. Yeah, it's so. it's a it's a matter of broad trajectory as opposed to specific analysis of yeah. every single thing, I suppose. But, you know, I mean, like, like I said, in general, if, if you have behaviors that you can't explain, yeah, evaluate those. They should be in pursuit of something important. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good bit of advice. Uh, um, do you. And I, I I know kind of what my answer would be, and that's. Hmm. I'm just a bad interviewer. Just <laughs> don't mind that. But uh, do you do you feel that uh, people's principles change over time? And if so, how? What's uh what's maybe the most appropriate way for that to happen? Uh, they certainly do. I mean, I, I would say that mine have. Um, but that I, I wouldn't say change necessarily. In my case, I would say sharpen, become keener, okay. become more conscious of. Mm-hmm. Uh. 
I, I actually, well, maybe I want to think about how I say that. I'm not sure that my principles have changed that much. I think my ability to consider them and apply them to any given situation has improved. Because okay. when I used to, I, sometimes you look at a problem in the past and you think, well, I would have answered it this way because I thought that that was the so-called good guy way to answer it. But I now see, even though that's the feel-good answer or the knee-jerk answer, it is contrary to f more fundamental truths that are important, not just in my opinion, but important as a matter of the fundamental way that the world works. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. No, that I feel makes like sense. I'm kind of talking too broadly here, but um, can you change your most fundamental values? Yes. But I think that what's going on for people who change their minds is more of a recognition of those fundamental values than a change of what those values are i think those values are actually yeah. more grounded in natural reality than they are just in our subjective opinions so i don't think that they actually change that much as they exist because when i talk about first principles and and sort of fundamental laws of the world they're not just there because we invented them in our minds they're there right. because they're a product of the of the natural world right they're inherent so it's kind of our it's our ability to understand and recognize and apply those as opposed to the values or the principles themselves actually changing. Okay. So I I think really um when you're talking about intrinsic values, uh principles, things like that, a lot of times people's experiences will ideally shape them in and if they're looking at it reality objectively, uh to sharpen their goal to, to sharpen their focus on really what's best for them. And I, I think a lot of times I can look like a shift in principles, a shift in that, that value, but really it is, it is kind of just a refocusing, a repurposing, mm -hmm. and, uh, kind of another venue of attacking who you can be and how you can be a little bit better for you. So, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, once I got those aspects of my life more in focus and thought about, what it is that I'm doing with my life, what purpose I'm pursuing, uh, the responsibilities and the obstacles and the challenges to navigate greatly increased, but so too did my satisfaction with my life. I, I don't wake up anymore yeah. kind of wondering, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, well, I don't know why uh, there were times in my life where like, you know, Xbox goals were like the, <laughs> my, my, maybe my daily priority. I'm not saying that to take a shot at Xbox again. I still enjoy it, but you just wonder, like, what's consuming most of your time? What's consuming most of the resources that you have to contribute to a particular goal? Um, you want to get those in order. Once you do, and you'll you'll be challenged, but you'll feel better. Yes. Uh, I know far too many people where that Xbox achievement or the that next thing in that game takes that top slot before even some really basic things in life. Uh, oh yeah i i remember when i back in my xbox uh my I, i'm still in my xbox playing days i guess but it's just a lot less common than it used to be but i remember when i was playing a lot more than i should frequently on call of duty i would hear what i called the cod dad <laughs> you got like a crying <laughs> child you can hear in the background while the guys can i yep. swear on your show i don't know Is that, yeah uh, yeah the, well, the guy the dude's like talking shit but you can hear his kid crying in the background that he's clearly at least momentarily neglecting you don't you don't <laughs> want to become that guy no no and you know of course if if you've you've earned that time and your kid is just going to cry all the time that that happens too but uh i suppose i or, i am keenly aware of that now um that i, I can't that, even imagine 
well, kids, especially newborns, they they just cry. They just cry. And you have to be comfortable with just letting them cry sometimes. That said, I probably wouldn't broadcast it over the Internet in that way. Yeah, true, true. Uh, does that ever actually get comfortable? You know, you say you got to get comfortable with that. But is that more of just you kind of hunker down and just kind of let it happen? Yeah, that might is be there a better a true comfort. That might be a better way to describe it. I, uh, I'm sure it's not just me. I'm sure it's something that is kind of biologically ingrained. But the sound of a sure. newborn at 11 out of 10 volume, mm. whew, one of the roughest mm. sounds in the world. And, I, and it's designed to be that way, of course, because sure. it's supposed to get our attention. It's supposed to tell us, hey, something's wrong. I need you to take care of it. So that's why I say it's it's probably not just me. It's it's a biological thing. It's it's biology telling me this is the urgent matter that you got to take care of. But yeah, um, <laughs> I, I I would rank eleven out of ten newborn scream way above mm. fingernails on chalkboard, way above mm. any of the annoying sounds that uh, the world can produce. It it is something else, man. But Oof. yeah, it's not. I guess I would say you never really, at least in my experience, you don't get comfortable with it but you understand that not every single one is an emergency it's not a 911 situation it's just okay yeah. you got a little thing to deal with and and that's about oh, it man i bet at first though it probably feels like each one is a 911 it's yeah i just I'm have not, a dog so I, i'm not <laughs> uh I, 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 you know there there are I, there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities, you know, so they're not the same, obviously, but you know, right. so when yeah. you have to de- dependence animal or newborn baby, there are a lot of similarities between them, but, um, oh, sorry, what was your question? I lost my train of thought there. It's okay. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, just about, uh, when, when they first start that crying. Oh that yeah. One well, and- well, for me, um, yeah. Like when you first hold your kid, they seem so fragile and they are, mm. But you're so afraid of breaking them or hurting them. And, and in my case, I saw the nurses. I mean, they handle them like footballs at the hospital. They yeah. tie and oh, tight. Yeah. They carry them around, toss them around. The way they <laughs> the, the the quickness and the efficiency with which they change diapers, you realize like, OK, they know what they're doing. They're doing this every day and they're not breaking kids. Yeah. So that fear of being a little too. Um, reckless with your handling goes away pretty quickly. And, and so, too, okay. does the the fear that that a crying outburst is some kind of emergency because it's it's almost mm. always not yeah i uh i kick a lot of kids for a living i i teach martial arts and so mm. i not anyone that's going to start screaming or crying if i hit them but uh, yeah still there's that little bit of satisfaction from you know winding them up and then send them on home and you know i might talk with the parents afterwards but like you you pay me money to kick your child. This is pretty great. This is a, <laughs> it's a satisfactory arrangement that we have here. I don't know Boy. much about that specifically, but I do know that. Well, I just think that our, our parenting and our child raising philosophy needs a lot more toughness in it than, um, oh, than I agree. maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what your upbringing was like, but um, but we're probably the same generation, roughly similar age, I'm guessing. And um, yeah, and the 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 trophy participation participation trophy sort of uh, everyone's yep. special philosophy not good the 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 most improvement i've ever had in my life was those humbling moments where you realize i'm not nearly as smart or as strong or as 
however capable as I thought I was. Those moments are necessary. Not that everybody needs to have their face rubbed in the dirt and shamed and mocked and bullied, but Mm. just to get knocked down a peg or two in a healthy way that has to be restored. Oh yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I actually had a competition, a big competition while I was pretty young. Uh, I did okay. And, uh, I had, had my medals, had my ribbons and I was looking down and one of the ribbons I got was a participation ribbon. Yeah. And I, I don't, I was probably, uh, I was 20, no, it's 2000. Holy crap. I was uh, 10 years old and I kept everything but that participation ribbon. I think I threw it away that same day yeah. and everything else got a frame and put up on the wall, but not that one. Cause I just, that kind of actually made me feel worse in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. It Wait. just, I don't know. You want to truly earn your accomplishments. And when you don't succeed or you underachieve, you want that. I don't know if shame is the right word, but that that realization that I'm talking about, I'm not that yeah. good. I need to improve. You want that. And when you get an award for that, um, yeah, it's a weird feeling because it, it gives you the impression that that was good enough, but it wasn't. You, you need to work right. at it more. Especially uh, in the case of the competition, I trained for months and worked my butt off. And uh, yeah, just to get one of those just for being there. I don't know. I I think walking in the door was my participation trophy for me. Yeah. Well, uh, it's yeah. And it's but it's kind of belittling, too. It's like you you mentioned you put a lot of work into it and it still wasn't good enough. But you kind of know that even if you had showed up totally unprepared, you put all this work in, you get the same thing Mm -hmm. as if you had showed up totally unprepared and that that so-called award would have been given to you interchangeably regardless of your effort it's almost insulting to the effort that you did put in yes that is exactly how it felt i yeah 10 year old me knew it i just just right trash yeah (laughs) yeah i i you know i've had similar experiences and that informs a lot of my um, parenting philosophy obviously i don't get to apply those now because i'm dealing with a four-month-old so it's you know i can't <laughs> the the broader kind of dad concepts are yet to be realized but these are the things right. i think about for the future years where these sorts of lessons are going to be necessary to teach sure sure have you been honing in your dad jokes that, no, uh, I, I, those came those are like that's kind of a a pre-existing condition <laughs> for for me so I don't I don't feel like I need to I talk about recognizing that you're that you need improvement. I don't feel like I need improvement in that regard, though. I am a master of that craft already, in my, that top. In my yeah. own mind. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure I'm sure your kid's eyes will be rolling here soon enough and you'll just rehash the same ones. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to sharpen them up eventually. I'm oh, sure. that's uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite. It, it, it doesn't come out in my channel, maybe a little bit on the stream. Um, a little bit in the stream, but I love running <laughs> jokes into the ground. Like once they're dead and the horse has been fully beaten, they're almost funnier. Yeah, just just absolutely make them <laughs> as stale as you possibly can. That's part of the comedy. That's I think that's the the essence of a good dad joke. Yeah. So uh, with uh, especially with this pandemic and how it's been handled, and everybody's been put through the ringer in their own right, and we're starting to see how everybody really deals with something that's difficult um you know there are a lot of big broad questions that could be asked there but I mean, that's probably the hardest one what has been your favorite kind of meme or kind of 
funny moment to come out of this general time zone. I was going to say year, but I don't know. They, they've all been pretty tasty. The funniest thing about all of this? What, what, was oh, your, man. what would be your favorite meme from all this? I mean, are you talking broad concept? Or are you talking like specific event? Oh man, see that's that's the that's what makes it so tough. Uh, let's let's pick meme. What what's your favorite? Ah, uh, your that, favorite meme it, model? It's this? really hard for me to think of something that specific out of such a broad, um, uh, out of such a wide net cast. But, but speaking seriously, I don't. There's very little about the last two years that's actually funny to me except for in a total clown pill way, like laughing at the world burn kind of way, which I fully have the ability to do. And I understand that there's some value to fiddling as the Titanic sinks, but I just, I don't find those things funny in a, in a ha ha way, I suppose, to borrow the phrase. You might make like those momentary jokes, but it is the concepts and the values and the principles that are at stake over the last two years are not um, just jokes in passing. They're not even meme worthy to me. These are fundamental, um, fundamental concepts of truth, morality, and, and just the broad ideas around which our society is built that it's, I know I'm kind of punting the question, but it's, it's really not that funny to me. Like it's actually gravely concerning. And, um, and that's why I, I'm so passionate about these things or as passionate as I am, because uh, we're not watching a literal fire, but we're kind of watching a slow burning metaphorical one. And, it, and it's taking yeah. out everything that is the foundation of our society. Um, it's a coal fire at the base of what we're standing on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I can throw the question back at you. Is there a particular meme moment that got you? Man. Maybe it'll jog my memory a little bit. Oh man. There, there's so many to choose from, but uh Honestly, any of the Joe Biden ones have been fantastic. A few of the Trump ones are pretty good, but just... You just mean his, like, uh, dementia moments, or what specifically? Uh, true and not, a Shabbat of pressure was pretty oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was a pretty solid one. You know, just things to, to bring brevity to such a, a serious situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I could take the easy answer and, and appreciate Let's Go Brandon, too. I mentioned that it I sure, love sure. things that are driven into the ground. And it is <laughs> at this point. You know, you're not going to really laugh about a, like a Let's Go Brandon meme at this point. But the moment right. that it was like the the moment that it represented where you have an obvious display of hatred for this president, the most popularly elected president of all time. And I get it. A a NASCAR race is not going to be his most popular venue. It's biased to begin with, but you have a loud, clear public outcry. Fuck this guy. And then you have what is either total media incompetence or intentional covering for him. Oh, listen to that crowd. They love you. Let's go. Brandon, listen to them. Just what it represented. Like it was such a stupid, seemingly silly moment, but the broader realities that it represents in a brief five second clip, actually pretty telling, pretty amazing moment. Oh yeah. It was, it was revealing to just show that gap between what they say and what's actually happening. Yeah. And, to your point, yeah, the, the fact that this thing has been dragged out of the house and beaten to death and then revived and beaten to death again, you know, you got you get people on like mainstream news saying like, let's go, Brandon. You got that clip that you play often enough where it's I've got uh, like five just, or six or seven of them. Yeah, <laughs> they just can't stop. It and, just makes it that much better. And the other piece of it um, 
Yeah, you know, it's undead. It's a zombie meme at this point. But part of the reason it won't go away, part of it is uh, guys like me and maybe you, we love beating it into the ground. But the other part is they can't let it die. Anytime they hear a sniff of it, it has to become a quasi-terrorist attack or like a death threat (laughs) or something like that. It's just like you guys know part of the reason it's funny is because of your insane overreaction to it. If you just shrugged and didn't care, guess what? Neither would any of us. And it's, that's what makes it one of the perfect trolls. And just the, just the fact that he, he said that on live TV, you know, I agree. Let's go. Brandon. (laughs) I forgot about that one. That was so a million ways to handle that so much better. And I, I would have, I would have gained a little more respect for him if he had handled it just a little bit better uh i just what a what a fumble that was he said what it and then they never fumble. addressed it again i don't think right they just never no, i don't think they did they never responded uh they never cleaned it up and they just well, that's what was weird is that like jen Psaki previously had denied and other white house officials had denied knowledge of this but then joe right. biden comes out and says yes i agree let's go Brent. so maybe he i don't know what's your interpretation of that do you think he genuinely had no idea what oh, the guy man. was talking about do you think that he was trying to troll himself and sort of tongue-in-cheek reply to the meme or what to me i just think he had no idea what it was i think he's mentally absent but maybe i'm not I, giving him enough credit that's that's a tough one to answer i i my honest belief is he's probably a i think he's aware of it i think he's aware of it enough and i think he was trying to take the angle of let's just let's just laugh about it to try and kind of normalize it and then let it die down kind of laugh at his own joke a little bit Hmm. i think that was probably the angle he was going for it's just it was not the right play at that moment Um, Hmm. Because, yeah, I, I agree. They're like watching him and listening to him speak. It's totally blue, but he had, he had just no clue what it meant. He is just not aware that this was a thing. But uh, I, I think in that moment, he was probably just trying to laugh with the guy to keep kind of the moment in check. Yeah, not the right probably. Move, but uh, well, very little of his moves have been the right move. So that's kind of par <laughs> especially for going up. Yeah. Yeah. Those damn stairs, man. So, so that was it, such a perfect metaphor too. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, your reference <laughs> falling up the stairs is a perfect metaphor for his presidency. Oh, Just man. absolutely falling on your face and somehow still ascending. That yeah. is exactly what happened. Yeah, you're right. That actually does kind of perfectly capture a lot of what's been happening with them. Uh, but it's it's moments like that, you know, because we are in such a a dire situation and not really because of the virus, but our reaction to it. Yeah. And it's it's not localized to the U.S.'s reaction. In fact, other places have been, uh, I mean, frankly, just so much worse. You know, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Austria and Germany, things like that. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it's I think it's important to be able to kind of pluck little moments like that and just have a have a good chuckle every now yeah. and again, especially in moments. And these are really rare where the the laughter and the joke kind of crosses that that line where it goes and both sides are able to kind of take a step back and laugh at it. We've been seeing so few of those now. The, but, those, uh, just any sort of cultural commonplace like that is so uncommon now. It, it's yes. so rare. And it's one thing we talk about all the time, too. Um, I, 
I am a big believer of, you know, if you don't like a particular institution, you are not only welcome, you should be encouraged to go and build something better yourself. I think that's a good philosophy yeah. of life. You, all the time you spend screaming at somebody else to make something the way that you want it to, but the way that you want it to be, it'd probably be better spent if you took the initiative yourself and built it according to your wants and desires um, yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, just, I'm very sympathetic to the idea that, well, maybe we just tell all the big tech people and all the other institutions that have been compromised. We tell them all to screw off and we go build our own better things. And maybe we can. But the other side of it is how much ground are we going to continue to surrender? Sports is another example. I love watching football and I still do, but I just feel kind of icky every time I do when I'm bombarded with like racial propaganda. Yeah. Every time I see it or some other social justice nonsense. And I, I, it's like, could, could you build an NFL of old that was strictly about football? Yeah. And it'd be, it'd be awesome. I hope we can do that. But on the other side, every time these people invade a space and ruin it, are we just going to retreat and re reinvent yeah. the wheel every single time? Because you'll, you'll actually never, if you're rebuilding wheels for the wagon every single day, you probably never invent the car. Or you never invent the right. next thing because you're too busy rebuilding stuff that we had yesterday. And that's yeah, not a way no, to live I, either. And it it really just does kind of sow a lot of more division. And so you, you have something like uh, Getter or yeah. Parler uh, where, you know, I, I, I joined Getter actually a while ago. And it's fine. I like it. Uh, but really the thing that aggravates me the most is it's it's all politics and the only political side I've really even seen on there is the right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not seeing anything else. And I'll, I'll post like a stupid picture. Uh, I rarely post anything seriously. And, you know, it gets, gets no traction. I mean, you know, I'm also tiny. But at the same time, if you post something furious about the left on Parler or Getter, boom, it's going to blow up. And yeah. So we're seeing less of that, less of that interaction. And it. It just kind of separates. Well, yeah, and it's so. as as mad as I am at Twitter leadership and as wrong as I think they are, what's the reason I can't quit Twitter? It's because that's where the best fights happen. Yep. And not and to your point, not just where I can watch blue checks of all sides trying to dunk on each other, and it's hilarious, but it's also the place where I go if I want, for example, sports news, or I want um video game news, or I want to know what else is happening besides the political fights that i enjoy and um and that's not a shot at the people running these alternative platforms they're putting in the effort and trying to build things that i think are worthwhile and good for them for doing it it's just a bummer and it's a, a recognition of the reality that you're talking about when you build this many partitioned silos where if you're in this box you go here if you're in that box you go there and we're never to interact that is the natural result yeah. and it's just it's boring even if even if everybody on Parlor or Gitter is right, it's boring. It's not as fun. I agree. That sucks. Yeah. It's um, it's not the fault of those platforms. But that, that's why I always get pissed on Twitter when you know someone gets banned, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example. Right. And you look at the replies, and half the people will say, "Oh, you go get on that echo chamber over on Parlor or Gab." Well, why are they echo chambers? It's exactly right. because you're booting people like this away from your uh, out, of, out of your sight. You're building yeah. the echo chamber while decrying the echo chamber. But yeah. they never seem to exactly. recognize that. And it, 
oftentimes people forget that you know to go to these other platforms they don't they don't have to talk politics a yeah. lot of people i know they don't want to go there because it's a you know like a right-wing echo chamber and they're not totally wrong but you don't have to be afraid to go there to be taken down politically if you just post pictures of your dog right you know, post you, you, stupid cat memes and you'll you'll actually the, enjoy it the correct answer for twitter and everyone else is just to allow the user as much filtration and control as they want people who annoy mm -hmm. me um and maybe i don't want to give them the satisfaction of a block the mute function is wonderful they just oh, yeah. mute mute entire topics you don't want to hear about true and just when the user is in control of filtering his own experience that's great he gets what he wants without imposing his will on the rest of everybody else and controlling what they're able to see and enjoy yeah no i totally agree that the only thing i disagree with is uh i i kind of love it when people just come at me for the smallest things yeah uh i i, I don't know maybe if i actually had like more followers i would find it really annoying and start blocking muting people but uh i once pointed out that wearing a certain hairstyle in animal crossing was not racist because the player was white yeah i thought that was a pretty easy take to have and uh boy what followed was about two weeks of people trying to get me to admit to being racist and they call me nazi <laughs> and they're they're posting snapshots from me and my channel where you know i i don't put that kind of effort in yeah. so they're trying to embarrass me with something i had out there publicly and i was like hey thanks for the shout out you know yeah great <laughs> yeah that but that's the thing it's like um it's not that it's not that i don't have the skin thick enough for that sort of thing right, and i'm right. sure you probably do too i it's not that it bothers me if someone says something mean about me on the internet it's a recognition when i talk about like blocking or muting it's mm -hmm. really just understanding we, we've talked about purpose and using your time wisely to start it's just an understanding especially now that i'm in the the parenthood stage of my life or even before True, when i'm yeah. just on the like trying to stay trying to stay on the straight and narrow work wise it's an understanding that getting lost in a half day's twitter fight even just to like talk shit and dunk on people for fun is <laughs> not an effective use of time and That's i'm true. totally the sort of person where once i'm in the fight it's very hard to just stop and look away whether it's like a a, yeah. a salty email or whether it's a uh, an angry twitter reply that it's just once the thread begins it's very hard to put it to bed so my philosophy is just don't mm -hmm. don't start those unless they're really fights worth having and most yeah. of them aren't so that's why that's i try fair. to walk away from them as much as possible it's not like that's I'm fair. muting everybody who says something critical about me. It's the sort of per what I'm talking about is like the belligerent person who's like a general, a genuine obstruction. Someone who yeah. is um, just absolutely coming at you habitually. That's that's what yeah. I'm talking about. That's fair. I, uh, I I get DMs all the time. You know, I hope this is a bot account and things like that. And yeah, yeah, I'm not going to reply. I'm just going to let you craze up my DM box for a little while. I need to master that art. I've gotten a lot better over the years. That was my year's resolution a couple of years ago. Fewer Twitter fights, fewer internet fights in general. And I've, I've stuck true to that mostly. Um, but, um, but I, and it's I kind of have to do that. Have. Well, and it's just, um, just as a philosophy in terms of making what I make, I don't like to be 
guided i don't want to you know put my my finger in the wind and try to figure out Mm -hmm. what it is that people want me to say or what i'm supposed to say or how mad is someone going to be if i don't do this or say it that way or whatever right so just shielding myself from kind of the the onslaught of comments and criticism however valid they may be i'm not saying that to dismiss any of the points that people want to discuss it's just that i don't want to be guided by that i don't want to be like a puppet of the mob who is simply doing what the hecklers want me to do. No, that makes a lot of sense. And sometimes that'll happen even kind of subconsciously. If you get a lot of criticism for a certain way, you might inadvertently find yourself changing what you do. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I I want everything I make to be as like an, an, as authentic a representation of what exists in my mind organically, as opposed to just like, well, so-and-so expects that I, that I do this and say this. All right. So uh <laughs> got lost in Twitter there for a little bit, which is fine. Uh I I didn't have I don't want to have like a rigid structure for anything like this, but uh so do you see truth as as a main principle to have? And yeah. I, so, I think it's probably the highest yeah. pursuit, the highest value. So then um looking at it, um because people will say like my my personal truth and yeah. uh, things like that, but uh, when when you look at truth as a principle, are you looking at it as uh, as objectively finding out what is what is true, or the more personal, uh, just trying to adapt yourself to to what's true out there? I guess more of the the introspective, being true to yourself more so. Mm. Which, I guess which perspective not, do you take on that? I'm not entirely clear on the distinction that you're making there, to be honest. Um, okay. But or is it, I don't know if you want to explain it a little bit more, or I can explain my thoughts on what it means to pursue the truth, I suppose. But um, mm-hmm. what, what's can you explain that distinction a little bit more? I'm not sure, clear sure. on the either or. Well, it, I don't really necessarily think they're totally separate. Uh, okay. And that's kind of why I want your, your look on it a little bit is because you can... I say it, uh, some people are, are really rigid in, all right, the truth. We have to, we have to find out what's true of the matter and find out what is, what is the objective truth of this thing that happened or, uh, your interaction with other people. And sometimes it kind of takes, I feel like it takes the self out of it mm-hmm. and it gets a little harsh, uh, to where people kind of, they get an edge to them and they get kind of angry. Um, mm-hmm. but then there's also the look at it as, uh, truth as a principle of being as true to yourself as you can. And so being open and honest with yourself, you know, for example, looking at why do I do the things I do on a day-to-day basis and not muddying the waters at all to let yourself get away with certain things, yeah. but being open and honest about what you're doing and then pushing forward and still observing out there what is true so you can be as honest to yourself. Um I guess well, it's kind of a different look at it. In either scenario, I would say that fundamentally the truth is something that exists objectively outside of each and every one of us. And it's mm-hmm. not something that that you or I just get to define in our heads that this is true because I say it's true or this is true because the experts say it's true or the intellectual right. authority says it's true. There's something called the truth that is out there in every context and it's defined by the natural order of the world and the reality that exists objectively. It's not defined by our perception of it. It's not defined by our definition of it. 
it exists. And I think fundamentally what we're trying to do is assess, acquire, understand that truth. The honest among us doing that as objectively as possible, putting aside your subjective biases and your own preferences for what the truth might be and assessing it honestly. But I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, just fundamentally, the truth exists out there, not necessarily in here, in here being your mind. The truth right. is something that exists in the world, and it's our job to acquire it, understand it, and and sort of import it into our minds. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, it's it's a it's always a tricky one to kind of navigate. And I've I've gone from listening to say like people like Sam Harris mm-hmm. talk about you know mindfulness and meditation and all these different things. Of course, he's kind of gone off the rails as of late, which is unfortunate uh, to people like Jordan Peterson and, and other people like that and talk about truth and go back and forth for many, many hours. On Did you listen mean. to their original episode about truth back like, oh, a couple my goodness. years ago? Uh, that was, wasn't it like a, they were debating about God, but they, they got lost in just arguing what truth meant. Yes. For, for like, like two, yeah. It, <laughs> I remember listening in the car and, like almost pounding on my dashboard. What in God's <laughs> name is this? It was just, uh, it was two guys talking past each other, trying to out fart sniff the other, you know? That's, yeah, that's what it felt like. That was not yeah. either of their greatest moments there. Um, no, and they did go back and they talked about it more. So, I, and oh, yeah. I yeah. have, um, and I have respect for both guys. Sam is, uh, Sam on politics has really become a tough listen for me. And to be honest, I, I just don't anymore. Mm-hmm. But in terms of my prior worldview on religion, um, he was an influential thinker on me. I'm not sure that he is anymore because some of my perspectives have changed on that. But I respect sure, the guy sure. as a thinker and I respect the guy as as you know mostly a, a, a decent guy who's not trying to interfere he's not the kind of guy at least that i've seen he's not going to come after you trying to censor you generally speaking as much as i may disagree with some of his takes i i don't recall and i uh, i'm open to being corrected if i can't remember something i just don't recall him trying to quote unquote cancel anybody and even though that's sort of a baseline expectation uh, in a sane society that's like baseline normal behavior in today's society that's something i actually have to credit um but even though I, i i don't agree with all the things he's saying he's a guy that i could still share a country with you know that's kind of how i evaluate it now can i share a country with you yes is the answer (laughs) for him so that's that's comparatively good um and jordan peterson of course you know jordan peterson's been um influential on on a lot of my thought too in the ways that we were talking about at the start and just the the proper uh how to properly organize your life, how to properly prioritize where you should put your energies, all of those things. So I don't bring that up to like to dunk on either of those guys. It's just, that no, was a really no. rough listen. It's um, I, I haven't given it a full listen yet, so I can't speak too critically on this, but Sam Harris just recently put out another episode of his podcast where it was just him talking to his audience mm-hmm. and kind of where he sits uh, in a lot of different kind of pathways and, one of those was politically, and he was, from from what I've heard, I haven't gotten to this part myself just yet, but uh, he was calling for cancellation of a lot of people. Okay, so maybe I'm that, maybe know, I'm wrong. Maybe I need to update well, my Sam list. Changed a little bit more. Yeah, apparently. yeah. So, so um, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I speak as someone who was listening to Sam three years ago, 
four right. years ago. And that's um, kind of where I was too until this. Maybe I'm way off base and Sam has uh, Sam has joined the mob. I don't know. When you say uh, talking to his <laughs> audience, was he doing it interactively or just like a monologue to them? I Like a monologue. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because his audience has been kind of pissed off at him for a lot of different perspectives that he's shared and a lot of different things that he said and uh kind of kind of understandably but you don't want to let that control your direction of course but uh he came out and well the the broke breakdown i saw on 4chan was uh basically freedom of speech is great except for for no. these people they and no he I, said that uh, well he he in a roundabout way kind of yeah <sighs> I, I know, that's what everything is fundamental value but it's just, <laughs> but uh, god dude well then it's not really a fundamental value is it what you're saying is there's something that's more important than that value that actually constrains mm-hmm. it it's not actually the highest priority in the case of free speech right. or whatever other value you're compromising and it's kind of taken the perspective that we're we're given these these rights we're given these values yeah. from from something else that can just take it away as a punishment well, I think we I think the rules of the world, the sort of natural law that we started on, I think that is the establishment of or the creation of something higher than us. I don't know that that's mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. That's kind of the quest that I'm on. So I do think sure, that they sure. are they're given or established, but they're not given or established by people. And that's right. really that's where to have. that's really where we're getting into trouble is the idea that that our rights are the are given to us by the experts or the intellectual elite or some person who is supposedly bigger, better, stronger, smarter, whatever than us and not by the natural order of the world, God, the creator, however you conceptualize that, whatever it is that gave order to the world is what gave you those rights as they naturally exist. And we've really lost sight of that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, it's, it's been really hard to watch a lot of these people that would talk shit on celebrities being so popular amongst the younger crowd. You know, they would, they think like MTV generation idolizing people that are on, you know, real talk and things like that. And then the immediately turn around and then fall into that same trap themselves with talking heads on CNN and even Fox news. Like you get Dr. Fauci out and everybody just lockstep right in line. And it's, uh, I, I can't understand or don't understand the not just the respect for him, but the uncritical obedience to that man. It's just bizarre. He is have, just a he's a weird little elf a, a guy. He's, been, I know. he's just an elf man who's been a bureaucrat <laughs> in government for decades. And yeah, OK, I mean, he probably he's deserving of the same, I suppose, respect as any human Um as any human would be, but he's not a God. He's not like this weird idol yeah. that uh, he, he, he probably does. In fact, I know he does. Um, he, he knows more about the specific scientific concepts of virology than I do. Now, whether he's actually applying them honestly and whether he's being an evil overlord <laughs> about it, that's up for interpretation. But the, the question is just because he has a set of specific knowledge that I may not have. And by the way, I'm sure I have a set of specific knowledge in an other area that Dr. Fauci does not have. But that sure. does not entitle me to control of his life any more than his knowledge of this specific area entitles him to control of mine. And 
it's bizarre to see people surrender that concept. Um, uh, one yeah. of the, we talk about how all of this is, is so disheartening and, and kind of not funny earlier. Um, the biggest black pill for me, the biggest piece of discouragement is not just that people are willing to surrender control of their own lives and their fundamental rights, but that they're eager to do it and that they'll shame others for not doing it. You, you think yeah. that we hold these things dear and that liberty or death means something as a culture, it really doesn't. It's expert advice or death. But in fact, you get both. You get expert advice and death when you live according to that philosophy. So it's not a good one to take. And that's, it, it, I don't know. It's just pe people think that expert, that, that death is like uh, strictly preventable, that death can be cheated, that right. we can avoid. We're all going to die. And yeah, we should probably try to avoid dying in a crazy car crash tomorrow if we can help it. But when you sacrifice everything about today in pursuit of avoiding death tomorrow, you sort of defeat the purpose of living. You've sacrificed. It's one thing to sacrifice 14 days in order to live a longer life. 14 days is sure. now two years. Uh, and, and a lot of our fundamental and normal aspects of our culture are totally upside down now. Yeah. Will we ever and go back to the normal that existed before? Have we sacrificed large so. qualities of our life in pursuit of avoiding death? Yeah, you can't nerf the world, and uh, <laughs> to use the game, to use the video game terminology, yeah, the the <laughs> the world is op. You're right. It's um, yeah, it's it's yeah, a rough place. We're all fucked in the end. I mean, yeah, really. It's 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 how much how much control do you want over that, and how much control should you have over that, and how little control you should have over other people's choices of that as well. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's a hard thing for people to get over. Well, and because, and it's just, it, uh, because I value my own direction and control of my own life, I value that for other people too. And and I think yeah. when you don't, that's, that's part of the vicious cycle here. When you don't actually value control of your own life, you're willing to compromise others' control of their lives too. Um, because yeah. that, that sort of reflection or that um, application of your own values in the protection of other people kind of falls apart. And um, I, I don't know. Well, I guess I kind of do know how it got to, I think all of it originates with the breakdown of the family and a lot of these insecurities that we have that would properly be, um, I can't fault anybody for having insecurities and uncertainties and even being a little bit childish with their fears. Sometimes we all have those. We're all afraid of spiders or afraid of uh, snakes or afraid of viruses or whatever. The question yeah. is who's responsible for helping you through that and quelling those fears and making you feel comfortable. Is it society at large, big daddy government? Are they supposed to come and kill the spider in your house or is it your dad? Is it your mom? Is it your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, the people closest to you who are most responsible for seeing to your day-to-day -day welfare? Are they the ones who are actually responsible for this? And once we've abdicated that, once we've destroyed that relationship, all of a sudden everybody looks to the big amorphous government God to solve every single problem in the world, including the spider in your bathroom. And they can't do that. That's just, yeah. it's too big of a problem for them to solve. Even if they were, benevolent enough to try which they aren't they're actually evil bastards so they're they're not not only are they not going to kill a spider in your bathroom they're going to release spiders into your house and then tell you they're not there that's what's going to happen it essentially uh i see kind of the overreach of government as being run by the cast or the at least the characters of it's always sunny in philadelphia 
Uh, hmm. I don't know the show really well, but oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it, you would have a spider in your bathroom and they would send in a SWAT team to take care of the spider and ah. inadvertently destroy the rest of the house and release more spiders and a couple monkeys in there just for good measure. And, and then they to... would have a press conference and brag about how effectively they oh, did yes. And yeah, that's if obviously. they ever show up. Like the, the ironically, the best answer would be they <laughs> promise to kill the spider, but they don't actually ever show up. That Based would be a best years, case scenario. $2 million in spending. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, man. that would be just fantastic. Everybody needs that to happen. So uh, yeah. kind of a clown pill question for you. Uh, because it, the, the actual event of what's, what's happening and seeing people and society kind of break down and more things just kind of twist and turn is it's really hard to find comedy in that. It's really hard to find anything funny in this. And that's why mm -hmm. I think those, those moments of, you know, little memes that went just a little too far, things like that are, are really, really important. But, uh, how, how do you feel, how do you feel comedy can be used as a, as a tool in moments like this? And we got people like Dave Chappelle, uh, Joe Rogan doing, fantastic things with this yeah what are your what are your well, thoughts on that well i think that comedy is a natural outgrowth of any taboo truth that's just kind of what happens is sure. where there are truths about the world that we're not supposed to discuss or that are treated as forbidden for some reason they they naturally end up in the world of the joke as they should and um i, I suppose even though i like i said i don't want to laugh too much about the downfall <laughs> of our a potential downfall <laughs> of our country because you're laughing yeah because it's uh, yeah but that's the thing is when things are so it, it's sort of like laughing at a funeral you laugh because you have to yeah but the optimistic thing that i can say is outside of the gun the literal gun the greatest the greatest weapon in the fight against tyranny and authoritarianism is outright mockery in fact in fact it's the first weapon sure. deployed and it might be the weapon that the tyrants fear more than the gun itself um, the, yeah. the, the truth, um, wrapped in a good joke is irresistible. That's the saying, right? It's, it's, um, the power of, of, of a piece of truth that makes you smile. I don't know that there's anything that is more influential on a human being, uh, than that. So even though I'm, I'm more pessimistic about the prospect for the future than I probably ever have been in my entire life, uh, right about now, um, the hope that the funny people are mostly on the side of truth, reason, anti-tyranny, anti-authoritarianism right now. And I think they are generally um, the, the funniest people tend to generally, question sure. power structures. They're not usually making jokes on behalf of the established power. But yeah. that that is a that's sort of an ultimate weapon that is always wielded by those who are being um, encroached upon. So. That's a, that's a piece of optimism for the for the comedy stuff. It's it, I don't want to get too comfortable with the state of the world and laugh it away because it is, in fact, dire. But I, I would I would recognize that, that that's um, among the greatest weapons available in the fight against this sort of uh, creeping tyranny. Yeah, no, I, I, I really agree with that. Um, and I find comedy in, in some of the darkest moments can not just shed light to truth, but to. Uh, uh, just to gain a better perspective on a lot of things. You mentioned, yeah. you know, laughing at a funeral and, uh, I, <laughs> boy, even just thinking back to it, I kind of laugh a little bit because it was extremely inappropriate, but it worked. It worked so well. Uh, 
friend of mine, his father had passed when we were in like high school mm -hmm. and he was having probably the roughest go of anybody there. And, uh, just outside of the service, like he stepped out a little early and his group of friends kind of followed with the comfort him and we're out there and nothing anyone was saying was keeping him from just, just sobbing. And, uh, it was just, it was so hard to watch. And I, I don't know why I decided to try for it, but I, I just kind of made a joke. And it was probably the least appropriate joke I could have made at that time. Mm -hmm. And he started laughing his ass off. Just, and his tears went from tears of desperation and just sorrow to kind of uh, almost, almost happy tears. They were kind yeah. of bittersweet. And he took a different perspective on a lot of things that happened. And it, it kind of, kind of lightened it up a little bit for him. And so he just kind of kept him laughing and I think it really did help. And so yeah, I, I also see it at uh, times like that. It's kind of an important point you're making. It's it laughter did not inherently trivialize the sincerity of the situation. And that's kind of what right. I'm worried about is do does all the jokey clown pilly stuff sort of trivialize the seriousness of the problems that we face. But as you've explained there quite well, I think it, it doesn't have to. It it's a exactly um, it's a source of of comfort. It's a source of alleviation, but it, it, it's not something that that erased the reality of the loss of his father. In that case, it's something that that right. made it a little bit more manageable. And, um, and yeah, I think I think that's a good concept uh, that that you explain there. It's a it's it's kind of a tough one for a lot of people to grasp because a lot of times, uh, and if it doesn't land well, it's taken as you know belittling what just happened. Yeah. Um, and that's that's always the the hard time with a with a good joke. But if you can if you can nail that that landing that delivery and you choose that timing perfectly, uh, I think a lot of times people will see that you are in fact still respecting what just happened, especially yeah. if it's something very dark. Well, and, and even if you don't, you know, sometimes I, I respect <laughs> the people who go for it, even when it's like, Ugh. I mean, even when it's a little kind of cringe, it's sometimes that's funny itself, you know. Hey, uh, yeah, I actually had a really, oh my gosh, uh, when um, Kobe Bryant's helicopter yeah. went down, uh, we we're gathered around, I, I think it was around Thanksgiving or something, and you know, friends and family were all gathering in. They threw on the TV to watch, I think, like football or some other sport thing. And you see the, the captured footage of the helicopter's last moments, and it's the first time seeing it moments after it happened. And I was that guy to just go, Kobe. And, wow. And uh, it's one of those times where you got to hope that lands well. And everybody just started laughing. Some of the people, they, they were embarrassed that they were laughing. So they're kind of yeah. like ducking down a little bit. Yeah. But uh, oh, I took it and I'm glad I did. It was just <laughs> one of those. You know, it, a lot of respect for the guy. I'm actually not really a basketball fan, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that when I go, I hope it's in a blaze of glory, and I hope that when I do, somebody is is that guy for me. That's my main <laughs> I mean, hope. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> um, if I died, if I died later today, or I died tomorrow, um, sure, I would. I would hope that people had and have respect for me and stuff. But I don't want anybody to waste hours right. of their life in misery on account of me. It, it's uh, it's nice to be recognized. It's nice to be respected. But I don't want to be any kind of. Um, ball and chain on someone's life experience yeah. so you know you have to remember people you lose uh, they don't they don't want that for you the, no. the memory you, you hold your memory dear but you don't waste 
prolonged periods of your life in agony. Um, nobody would want that and nobody should want that. Yeah. So the jokes help with that too. And it's also kind of another way of, um, kind of not immortalizing, but, uh, giving more weight to their memory. Uh, yeah. you know, cause the Kobe meme that's been around for, I don't know how many, how many decades, but you know, it's in like middle school, somebody takes a shot for the garbage can with a piece of paper and you always right. yell Kobe yeah. miss and try it again. Uh, and so it was, it was almost in, in my perspective of it, it was kind of a way of giving, giving more weight to that person's memory in a kind of an odd way, kind of respecting it. Yeah. Uh, much in the same way that people are, you know, trash talking Bob Saget, which, wow, that came out of nowhere. I can't believe he's gone, but, uh, one of the dirtiest comedians out there. Yeah. And so he dies and all the comedians come out to roast him and yeah. it's fantastic. It's, it's their, their flaming arrow to his Viking ship. Yeah. Is kind of the way I see it. So, well, and maybe we'll have to do that for an entire country sooner rather than later. Oh. We'll see. But, um, yeah, but, uh, that's probably a good concept to end on. I do have to, I do have to get going. Uh, soon oh, geez. Here, yeah. But, we uh, went, uh, we went a little bit longer than I thought there. Sorry about sorry. that. That was a good conversation. Oh, I appreciate it all the time. Sure. But, uh, one quick closer question. Uh, I, I don't know if you've, if you've gotten any news on this or not, but has R2 Dindu ever recovered from that sick burn? Uh, which, <laughs> what's the sick burn? Which one? Oh man. Uh, I think it was during one of your evergreen videos, uh, Limp Biscuit days, I think. Oh yeah. There was a whole uh, Limp Biscuit component of that story. Fred Durst lyrics yeah. everywhere. And yeah, it's, I can't that, remember exactly what it was. There are oh, it's examples so well. of jokes that you almost uh, hesitate. You hesitate on. You're a little <laughs> worried to make. But man, um, and I, I to be clear, I am not in any way taking credit for the the moniker R2 Dindu. That was from a. Oh, that wasn't from you. No, no. And I, even if you watch oh, wow. the video, I credited the commenter because that's such a oh, okay. legendary. That's such a lead. Now, what I did was um, at the time, I remember the clip of her. I edited in the R2 D2 sounds. As she was wheeling around, <laughs> which was really funny. And I felt bad about it. But sometimes you make those jokes that you feel bad about. Um, so, yeah, I just want the, to the, 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 whoever that commenter is out there. It's in the video. That person is findable somewhere. Um, but as far as like what happened to R2 Dindu, I do know in the maybe a couple years after that, I made a video about this, too. There was a whole bunch of trans people who went to the to a city council meeting in Olympia. Olympia is the city where Evergreen okay. is. And they were talking about how they're constantly at risk of death in Olympia. And R2 Dindu lectured the, the city council members about how they have no respect for, I guess him. I think R2 Dindu is a female to male transgender person, but it was this whole lecture. I hope here. that when you sleep at night, you think of me and you suffer and you cry. It was something like that. Uh, that oh, was the wow. last I heard from R2 Dindu. Well, I, there's more to the story than I ever thought. That's fantastic. That whole like, man, what a saga! And yeah. um, you know, that's that's led to it's it's nice to see that um, Brett Weinstein and his wife have been able to build something on their own outside of that. I, yeah, I've been happy to see absolutely. that. Absolutely. But man, what uh, you talk about other you, know, you talk about microcosms for what's gone wrong in this country? That's another great one. It was a bit of a precursor. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, just for, like I said, a lot of people that watch anything I do, it's a kind of a different, totally separate sphere of things. I'm sure yeah. they're not 
quite aware of what you do. So yeah, yeah uh, go ahead and give a shout out for, for your channel. Yeah, it's, uh, the name's Matt Christensen. The website is mattchristensenmedia.com. Christensen is a, lo- a long last name. It's Christian like the religion, S-E-N. Christian, S-E-N, mattchristensenmedia.com. All the stuff I make is up on the website. All right, fantastic. And uh, I will hopefully one day forgive you for that uh, Tremors review. I don't know. <laughs> we don't have time to talk about that. We'll have that's to leave that. That's a rough one. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you know, your time, man. They've hardened and, uh, me. I, I just didn't like that movie before. Now I hate <laughs> it. That's how it always happens. Like if I'm lukewarm on it and, I get, and the mob comes after me, then I hate it. You know, it's like Groundhog Day. I just I thought it was OK, but then they came after me. So now I hate that movie. Yeah, just digging in. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. All right. All well, right. thanks for hosting, man. I appreciate it. Oh, appreciate it. Take care.